Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Disney Inside Out. I'm your host, Ryan, and we are here with a special guest, Isaac Robinson-Smith. I'm going to give you a little intro about him, and then we'll, we'll let Isaac say hello. But Isaac Robinson-Smith is a voiceover actor, Disney fan, and does a lot with Disney. A chance viewing of The Simpsons cast on Inside the Actor Studio changed Isaac Robinson-Smith's life. It was then that he realized he could make a career doing what, unknowingly, he'd been preparing for since he could talk. As a precocious two-year-old, Isaac imitated his beloved animated characters, learning their songs, living in their imaginary animated world. And now with a drama musical theater degree from UC Irvine, go Anteaters, sports reference, I don't get it, okay? Uh, Isaac is living the performer's dream. Uh, here's some of the things Isaac can do, which pretty amazing. Original voice matching roles for animations, video games, commercials, theme parks, dubbing, ADR, looping, lead singer in Disneyland, The Dapper Dance. We'll talk about that. Improv, digital puppeteer, comedy actor with the hilarious Troubadour Theater Company. Uh, burlesque rock pop singer with Toil and Trouble Burlesque. Very interesting. And improv live performer as Optimus Prime and Megatron at Universal Studios Hollywood. Very cool. And finally, as a mixed-race Black actor, Isaac finds pride in being part of a growing, diverse landscape of acting. I love that. And a fun fact, Isaac is the first or one of the only Black cast members in many of the roles you have just read. Looking ahead, he's very excited to keep telling stories whenever and however he can. Hello, Isaac. Hi. <laughs> Thank hearing, you for being here. Thanks. Hearing all that out loud, I, I feel like I have all this extra pressure now to like live up to that, even though it yeah, is. Yeah, I'm like, it's, pressure it's my life, is but, on. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but no, glad to be here. No, I'm so glad. Uh, thank you for coming on. Yeah, the yeah. the the bio, so impressive. So many great things that you've done. Thanks. Um, I'm so excited to talk about some of it and, and maybe some non-Disney because some of it I'm really interested to know more yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Of course. We're going to jump into a little segment that I call the Goofy Gazette. <laughs> so I'm going to bring up latest piece of Disney news and maybe just hear your thoughts on it, what you sure. think. So recently... There was a special event at Disneyland called A Special Look Inside Disney Parks, and this is hosted by Josh DeMero, who's the chairman of Disney Parks Experiences and Products. And Disney showed off at the very end of the presentation a real working lightsaber. Like he pulled it out of the box at the last minute. There's no video. Nobody was allowed to have phones video because I scoured the internet for some kind of video of this. Can't find it. And apparently it's a real working lightsaber, like a light blade emerged from this box and it had sounds and then he put it away real fast, put it away real fast. And that was it. So, so first of all, how did you hear about this? I did hear about that. And I was just, I scoured as much as you did. I think I, I was like, what I've wanted. I mean, I think like anybody that's a star Wars fan, I've wanted that since I was a kid. So I thought you were going to say I saw a video of it. And I was like, "Where? Where's the link? I want to yeah. watch it right now." Um, yeah, but right. but yeah, I'm I can't believe it. I will, I will gladly gladly uh, basically uh, take my money. Disney, do it. I want that lightsaber right now. <laughs> That's how I feel. Yes. I I love that. I say that phrase frequently with them. I'm like, take my yeah. money. Yeah. This movie, this ride, this thing. Yep. Take my money. Yep. I don't know if you've looked into it all, but have you looked into like the technology they're using? Or looked at the patent they put out for the lightsaber to see how it works. I mean, I don't know if you want to like talk about the magic, but I've looked into it. But I was just curious if you have read anything. I honestly haven't seen anything other than what you just said. I just know that the news exists and the thing exists. That's all I know. I haven't I haven't gone that deep yet. But I I would love to know. But I don't know anything right now. So. And do you know anybody that was at Disneyland that day? No, I don't. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> no, I don't. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, I when I saw that I was like, there's got to be a video. I was like, somebody surely in this day and age, even though they say no phones, I'm like, somebody right. got a video of it. But yeah, I, I really like. There's no video of it. Yeah, and the fact that when Disney does something like that, where they're like, hey, here's this thing that only a few people have seen, and they're like, but nobody else is gonna see it. It drives me bananas. Ugh, I know, <laughs> I know. And I'm just wondering. I mean, the like the price point now for making a lightsaber in the park. It's, you know, it's a pretty 
decent price. Well, I don't know if it's decent for everybody, but it's a pretty high price point to yeah. make those lightsabers in Galaxy's Edge. So I'm only imagining what these will cost. But I know that it's a brilliant idea because people are going to pay it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Def- I mean, everyone's going to be... This is the dream. We've all wanted to see this version of it happen. So, yeah, this is... I cannot wait to see it and have one. <laughs> yeah. This is the dream of every Star Wars fan. And I'm just like... And then I'm thinking about like the park, like safety wise, like are kids going to be walking around like, you know, although I read you, these lightsabers cannot cut through doors and, and bone and flesh. Oh, well, yeah, that's that's probably good. (laughs) (laughs) Cause I'm like, what's the safety thing now that you get this lightsaber and you walk around or maybe they're not even going to sell them. Maybe it's going to be a experience that you like get to, you know? Yeah, maybe I, I don't know, but. Whatever it is, I'm there. Whatever they have, I'm I'm gonna show up and and see what it is. Yeah. Let's jump in, Isaac. I want to know more about you. Um, let's start with what's your first like? What was your first introduction to Disney? Oh man. Okay. So it's probably the movies. Honestly, you know, as a kid watching the animated films, that's probably the first, like, it, just Disney as in general as a thing. That's probably the very first thing I I was introduced to was um the 90s animated movies like that's that's when i grew up i was born in 1989 so like right on the tail end of right before i was born you know little mermaid came out so i got i had the privilege of growing up during the renaissance of disney animated films so like that's that was my so like little mermaid beauty and the beast aladdin those movies those that was my first look into it and then i guess i went to disneyland when i was like two but i don't remember that trip so um but yeah disney in general was uh was the films, which is a great introduction, I think. Yeah. No, I'm a total, I'm a Disney 90s Renaissance baby kid too. Yes. Little Mermaid was my first. Oh, nice. <laughs> and it's still my favorite. Do you have a favorite of like, let's say the Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Lion King? Like, Oh man. See that, that whole like era was so incredible. I think mm-hmm. it's really tough to put like, to put them all to like rank them. But I think if I had to, I love, I have a, I have a really big place for I think like Lion King, Aladdin and Beauty and the Beast are the big ones, but it's, it's, it's hard because like you get later in that period and like Hercules was awesome. And then I'm even a big fan of like, not like this is a um, underrated one, but I'm, I'm a huge Atlantis fan. Like I love Atlantis. So like that movie also, but yeah, those, those four or five kind of circulate and also Hunchback because of the music and the story too. Those all circulate in my head. So I think Hunchback is an underrated film. Yeah. I think it is one of the most beautiful animated and music of one of their films oh yeah absolutely and it it's it's a shame because i think it's darker so it doesn't get the same attention yeah yeah the music though i I love that the music still carries on even if the film doesn't get a whole lot of like all that like a whole lot of light the music like you know they made the the musical that went around the world and everything and so yeah yeah now, do you remember in Disney World back in the days of MGM Studios? Have you been to Disney World? I have a couple times. Yeah, I'm familiar. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So in when it used to be called MGM Studios, which right. was when it was as great, they had a Hunchback stage show. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you ever saw that or when you were there. I, I didn't see when I was there, but I remember seeing the one that they had in California because they had one in California, too. Um behind Frontierland there was a stage that's not there anymore because of Galaxy's Edge but there was a there was a theater in the round um and I remember the stage and the confetti that's like about as far as my memory goes but my friend um Jim Graft who's been a performer at Disneyland for man at least 25 years at this point um was Clopin in that show so like oh. no so I like I've I've I'm connected to people from that era and that show so like Festival of Fools was something I definitely remember remember ish but I know that it was a big deal when it when it came yeah. out so yeah 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 yeah. it was a great show it was like they did puppets they did everything it was like a full musical of the whole yeah. movie and I think it was one of those it was like during that time same with Beauty and the Beast like where they like would start the stage show when the movie came out. So it was a little bit of a gamble. Like yeah. they were like, the movie's just coming out. So they were like, will people like this? Will people go to see it? But right. I liked when they did that. Cause I thought it was um, just a fun way to get excited about a new movie. Yeah. Um, and funny you bring up Atlantis. Cause I was thinking recently, I was like, Atlantis would be a great live action film. Man, it would. I've talked to people about that too. And I've, it would just be so cool to see that because like there's nothing happened with it after the sequel that came straight to video or whatever. Um, 
I think that the only thing that potentially was going to happen, I remember at Disneyland, they were going to open the submarine renovation was going to be Atlantis themed and then the movie didn't do well. So then they, you know, change it to Finding Nemo, which is a great choice. But like, yeah, I would love to see that. That live action movie would be pretty dope. I would love to see that. I think it would be a fantastic live action movie. Yeah. Um, all right. So 90s Disney Renaissance, you grow up loving that. Yeah. Um, going to Disneyland, do you have a favorite Disney attraction? Space Mountain. I, I can say, I mean, I'm wearing the, no one can see it, but I'm wearing a, there, I went to D23 oh, a few yeah. years ago and this, it's a 40th anniversary um, shirt. Um, oh. And uh, yeah, so Space Mountain, I think for multiple reasons. One, it was like one of my f- earliest roller coasters that I went on as a kid. So I felt pretty cool doing that. Um, I loved it. I just love the atmosphere, the experience. I like that the ride has a story, like every attraction at Disneyland has a story. Um, and uh I also like, I remember reading somewhere that Space Mountain was one of Walt Disney's ideas. They just didn't like, it hadn't caught up to his vision yet to like build it, but it's cool to know that he was designing it, you know, before he died. So it's cool to be like, this is one of Walt's last, you know, rides that he, you know, was starting to see as a a thing to come out in the park, which I think is really cool. That so. is cool. I don't, I don't think I knew that. Yeah. yeah. No, Space Mountain, I would say is one of my, my favorite. It's, it's one of the... I, they have you know disney has so many rides and but in terms of real thrill rides i feel like that's my favorite yeah ride yeah yeah and it's it's good that you bring up like that it's there's a difference between thrill and like the other rides because i love the immersive storytelling rides too like mm-hmm. haunted mansion and pirates are right there for me um yeah and what's great about those and i've talked to other people about this is that because the story is well told enough but open enough that you can have your own kind of experience of what you think the story is i think that's why they've been open for over 50 years and why people keep coming back is because they have their own interpretation of what this story is being told. And it's not like a linear thing, like with some of the rides that have come out recently where it's like a defined story that you can go watch. It's like, this is like, this is an open-ended adventure that you get to experience from your point of view, which I think is a brilliant Disney thing. So, yeah. Yeah. I love that. Haunted Mansion is one of my favorites because I love hearing everybody's version of what they think is happening on the ride Yeah, because, and, and a lot of the different versions work, whether you think like, Oh, you go up into the attic and then the bride pushes you out of the attic and that's why you're going backwards or whether you're a ghost then like, there's so many theories and they all kind of work in their own way. Yes. I think it's so great. Yeah. It's so great. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I can talk about it for hours. So I'm glad I'm here. Yes. I'm glad I'm doing this. <laughs> right. We could just yeah. do a separate episode on just the Haunted Mansion. Yeah. <laughs> which is another live action that I know exists, but that one was kind of, you know, a little, I don't know how you feel about the Eddie Murphy Haunted Mansion live action. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, I'm like middle of the road about it, I think. Yeah. Same. Yeah. But the rumors that Guillermo del Toro was going to make one, Dude. I was like, that would have been amazing. Oh man. I hope that that happens because I know, I know how big of a fan he is of that ride in general so i know that and his vision would be so cool and so trippy his would be so great i i i I do hope that happens yeah um all right so disney fan you end up working at disneyland still do work at disneyland still do yes i'm very lucky i still i am furloughed at the moment but i still work for the for the park and and yeah still have the the jobs that I did, I still have those, have those titles. So that's good. How did you end up in the park? Like, what did you kind of start? What was your first role? As? Back in, so almost 11 years ago now, um, back in 2010, I auditioned to be a character host, which are the people that stand with the characters and kind of guide their story and um, help the lines and talk to guests and get them ready to meet the characters. So that, that was my first job um, in 2010 till about 2000. I think 2011. So it was like I bridged over the next year, but I didn't work that job for a full full year. Um, And then from 2011 to 2013, I was really good friends with Crush, the turtle from Finding Nemo for Turtle Talk with Crush, which was really cool. That that job, that those two years were so there was so much growth in me as a person, but also me as a performer. And I just this the the experiences I got to have are are unmatched. You know, from that that show was just so had so many cool things. Um, And then I left. Um, and I went to Universal Studios, actually. I worked at Universal for six and a half years as a performer for the most part. Well, I started out as a tour guide, um, which was an amazing job. It was a tour guide on the tram, and then I did the studio, the VIP studio tour for a couple of years. And then after that, I did all performance. I did a bunch of shows and different things around the park. Um, and then I came back to Disneyland in 2015, 
like the end of 2015 into 2016. Um, and that's when I was hired as a Dapper Dan. Um, and that restarted my, you know, work in the park. So since 2016, I've been doing now, I think I'm, I do three different shows at Disneyland currently at the park. Wow. Yeah. Now <laughs> doing so Dapper Dan, yeah. talk a little bit about that. How do you, what's like the audition, the rehearsals, like how do you sort of, how do you, how does one become a Dapper Dan? Well, it's, it's a lot of different things because, well, at, okay, I'll start with at the core of it, it's, you know, a musical group. So, you know, an understanding of music, a background in singing, uh, theatrical performance, that's very important. And some, you know, experience in tap dancing, because there's tap dance that goes on in the show. Um, a couple of day, a couple, a couple points during the day, there's, there's tapped uh, numbers. Um, and so that's having that background is important. But the thing that for me that was challenging was the auditions were not frequent. Um, they, for Dapper Dan's, they, uh, I don't know if it's changed now, but uh, back when I was doing it, they would only audition every uh, couple of years. So like, and I auditioned three times before I got it. <laughs> so like I auditioned and then had to wait two years. I auditioned again. I had to wait two more years. And then I auditioned a third time and I finally got the job. Um, and the audition process is multiple days in, in itself. So the first day is, you know, everybody goes into a room. Um, everybody gets the same piece of music. You, you determine in that space, what, um, what part you're singing. Cause you have to know, like, am I a baritone? Am I a lead? Am I a tenor or bass? Whatever the part is you learn that part. And then I, I think it's changed now. I don't know how they, they audition it now, but at least when I did it, they brought us into a separate room by our parts. So like for me, it was like, you know, all leads. Um, and what they do is they have you sing, they give you your starting note and then you sing your, your line of music and then you, they play the ending note. And if you're not matching the ending note, then you are cut from the audition. At least that's how it was. Cause wow. you know, part of the magic and, and the skill of the Dapper Dance is to maintain pitch the whole time during a whole song. And I, you know, I still go through, I'm still learning. I'm still doing, trying to do as well as I can. Cause there is, there's a lot of stuff going through your head when you're doing the job. Um, but yeah, so then after the musical part, you are then matched with other guys to uh, harmonize with them. They listen to how you sound. Then they teach you some choreography and you go through that choreography. And then there's a second day, which with basically the same thing. So they do make a cut after that. And there's a second day where you come back, you sing new music, you do new choreography, and you also do lines from the show because it's not just singing and, and dancing. It's also, you know, there's a theatrical element where you're doing because uh, there's in Dapper Dance, there are seven shows a day and they're all different from each other. So we do about a page of dialogue and it's comedic, too. So there's also that element. You have to, you know, be on your comedic chops to get the even though the jokes are, you know, they're incredible dad jokes and puns. So, you know, yeah. you have to making those funny is also a challenge sometimes. Um right. But that's part of the charm of the Dapper Dans is they bring that sort of like wink to the, the the things they're saying and the songs that they're singing, which I love about it and makes it timeless. Um, so then after all that is done, um, I got a call from the company, I think a week and a half later, like it was a while before I actually heard back from them. And I was so relieved because I was so nervous. <laughs> I really wanted the job. It's been my dream job at the park for years. Um, and then rehearsals are a whole other beast in, in themselves because you are learning. Um, well, at least at first during the normal part of the se of the year when it's like, you know, um, after new year's, but before Halloween, that's like one season. So you learn there's a, a huge a thick binder, like about like two inches or more thick that I have, like all the music that we go through with the scripts and everything. Cause you're learning um, uh, two different sets of music and choreography i'm sorry three different sets of music and choreography we're learning the flag retreat ceremony um and there's a march along that we do with the disney characters up to the train station that's a whole other thing with other choreography and then there are two sets during the day that are called strolling sets which are improvised so as the lead especially you have to be ready because you walk out there and it's 20 minutes of, you know, entertainment for the guests, which is amazing, but it's completely driven by the group. There's no script. There's no, um, like format to how it, it just, we go to this place we stand there and we, we entertain and we sing, but what's great is it's been an amazing challenge to think of things to say, think of ways to interact with the guests, how to get them involved, songs to sing, ways to get the other uh, guys in the group to interact together, the improv banter that goes back and forth, all of that is going on. Plus, we have to learn the choreography, like I said, and then there's an additional musical instrument element because during one of our sets, 
we have these things called Deegan organ chimes, which are the eight bells that we play during certain songs on the street. So that's a whole other skill that I didn't have. Oh um, so there's all that. And then that, but that's one season, but then you have to think about you moving on to the other parts of the year. We have to learn an entirely new set for the Halloween season and then an entirely new one for the Christmas season. So there's three different seasons of Disneyland that we're learning music and choreography for that we all have to keep in our heads and keep straight and be ready to go and switch things out if things don't go the correct way or like we have to go sing somewhere else because of rain or you know a show is happening here or a special event is happening so we can't go to our normal spot so we'll go in the stores and sing or somebody's getting married and we have we'll go and do a special like you know magic moment for guests there's just so many variables to our job but that's why it's great because it's never the same two days are never the same at at this job and it's so cool and there's so much history because the Dapper Dans have been part of Disneyland since 1959. So it's an honor to carry that, you know, that, uh, that brotherhood that's gone through for so long since Walt was alive, you know? So anyway, that's, that's a very truncated version of, of the experience, but it's, it's been a blast for the last five oh, years. Sounds amazing. And yeah. I should have asked this in the beginning for people who are listening that don't know, cause I'm assuming everybody knows everything Disney. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. what, what, how would you describe, or what's the sort of the official description of the Dapper Dance? Like who are they? Dapper Dance. So they're a four part acapella barbershop, uh, quartet. Um, so I, I basically said the same thing twice. They're a barbershop quartet <laughs> on Main Street and it's acapella music. So it's uh, all music just created with our voices. There's no additional instruments or anything, save for if we're singing with the Disneyland band for the march along or if we're singing at the coat corner with the piano. That's the only time that we have additional instruments or our Deegan organ chimes. But other than that, the main focus of our group is we're an acapella uh, four part harmony. Yeah. Yeah. So. And the Dapper Dans are amazing. I all, I mean, all the performers at Disney, you guys are all amazing. And the street performers especially, I think that people do not understand how much you have to learn, yeah. how much yeah. your yeah. brain, because improv is a beast, Yes, you know, as an actor. Yeah. It's just improv on its own is, yeah. is hard. It's scary. So, but then when you're improving, but you're also like, let me remember my harmony. Let me remember this instrument. Let me remember this. You know, you're doing yeah. so much at once. And on the outside, you have to look like it's nothing. Yes, exactly right. Yeah, there's the 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 archetype we were given is the Dapper Dans are sort of like the princes of Main Street is kind of our our like subtitle, I guess. And that's kind of what we are. Um and then also during our choreography, this is a great thing, I think, visual for me, at least. We were always told, like, you know, just Gene, make it Gene Kelly, make it Gene Kelly the way we dance. Oh, so, yeah. like, having that suave, cool, confident, um, charming air about us the entire time with, while thinking about all those hundreds of things that you just mentioned. But after a while, it does sort of sit in as a second nature kind of thing. Not completely because I don't want to get complacent, but... There is a part of your brain that sort of like says, okay, you've locked into what these songs are. You've locked into the sound of what Barbershop is. So even learning new songs, it's not a huge amount of effort to kind of put that in our bodies, but there is a lot of stuff that we've just kind of gotten used to the mechanics of over time. So being a new Dapper Dan was super scary and it was a long time before I really feel, felt like I got it. Um, yeah. Cause on top of the experience of doing the job, when it start when you start new, you're not working, you know, every day of the week, you know, you might not even work one day of the week, you know, I come in and I sort of am on an on call basis with with the park, I kind of come in when they need me to. Um, uh, or if I can, or if I can uh, get uh, some additional work, but like, so, you know, having to do that, and then maybe a week or two goes by, and you have to come back in. So you like resetting your mind to do it all again. So but just as a performer, as an actor, it's it's great for me, because it's like, all right, I'm still my brain is fresh every time. So yeah, I mean, yeah. those skills are so good. You sharpen those skills, like, because then yeah, when you do acting outside of, you know, Disney, you're like, so on point, because that stuff just keeps you on your toes. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been invaluable to me as an actor, all the stuff that I've learned doing. And that's why a lot of people have said that I've talked to that having a stage career as a voice actor is is really important, because it keeps you um, active in that way and you're ready for things to be thrown at you randomly and you're ready for all this stuff so yeah exactly what you said yeah yeah now with the dapper dance i imagine you perform with different dapper dance like you're mm -hmm. not always with the same people yes so that that's true. a whole nother thing of like yeah the chemistry and the like exactly you know... yeah there are things yeah there are things like you know do do these guys know like there are some combinations of us um where like we all know a certain song um that we've performed but like i may not have performed with some of the other guys in the group um 
and uh yeah and then some of even some of the banter back and forth like there may be some jokes that we've like done before previously but like other people don't so yeah there's a lot of stuff that we have to kind of keep um ready to to know or ready to basically we're ready to respond to any environment and just making the show as great for the guests as we can no matter what combination of us there is because we're all trained to be great so we're all great at what we do um but it is, yeah. It's it's like okay, we have all these. El- let's we're gonna get all these elements that we don't know what <laughs> don't quite know what's gonna be when we get to the park. But whatever it is, we're bringing the magic, however we can, to guests whenever we get out there. So that's what I love about it. I really do. Yeah. Now, how long do you like? What is the rehearsal period before they say, okay, you're ready to go on Main Street? Again, they could it could have been changed. I don't remember, but from what. I experienced um, we it was about three solid weeks of about four or five days a week of rehearsal to get that first like main season stuff in our heads because it's you know it's learning music then you kind of get it up on your feet with the choreography then you kind of move forward with doing a full show and you get notes from you know our director choreographer and all that and then it goes on to be the show show um, where that you go and you do your first day and they come in um, and watch and then they say, all right, you're good. Now you're, you're, you're ready to go and you're ready to be, you know, performing from here on out. So you're, but you're probably like, am I ready? Yeah, like, <laughs> seriously. I asked, really I ask that question consistently with everything that I do. I think it keeps me grounded, honestly. But that's what keeps it exciting. <laughs> yes. You're like, yes. what will happen? No. So what do you have a favorite like experience from a Dapper Dan or a favorite magic moment you did? Or Ye- Yes. Several. Um, I think, well, one was my very first day when I realized what was going, my, my fr- good friend, uh, uh, Cody, who's all, who also works with me, um, has, has put in my brain a really cool thing to do where you, if you just stop and look around at what's going on, it can be really amazing. If you just don't, if you're not always like forward moving, it's cool to just stop and look around for a little bit. Um, but I think the very first time that I was really doing it, um, s- realizing that I was, you know, walking down main street in front of the Disneyland band and Mickey Mouse is on my right side. And I was, I was performing as Dapper Dan with all these guests excited to see all of us. And the sun was out and I was, I was like, this is Disneyland park and I'm doing my the job. I always wanted. That was when it all came together. It was really emotional for me. That That's a memory I'll never forget. And that was, you know, almost five years ago now. Um, the other moment that I can think of is there was one time where we were doing one of our strolling sets um, out in front of the candy palace um, across the street, actually. Um, it's called a porch set because we're up on a porch and there was a group of women that walked by that were all wearing the same colored t-shirts. I can't remember if they were pink or purple now. It's been, been a while, but um, Jim, who's one of my, uh, another Jim, who's one of my uh, good friends, who's one of the bases in the group and has been, I think he's been in, in Dapper Dan's for over 25 years, like in just in Dapper Dan's and just session singing and a lot. He's great. He said, Hey, what are you all celebrating? And the, one of the women that was there said, um, Oh, well, I, I am a cancer survivor. So we're celebrating by coming to Disneyland to, you know, celebrate life basically. And I had had a song in my head that I was going to transition to next after the, cause you know, when I'm, when I'm ending the previous song or when we're ending the previous song, I'm sort of thinking of, okay, how do I come out of this song? How do I, if I, there's a guest that's doing something interesting or, you know, but in that moment I was like, well, I said just kind of blindly, I don't even know why, but I, the words that came out of me were, would you mind if we sang a song for you? Um, cause it, it's really amazing that you're here. Um, and, uh, so I said, well, let's, let's feature our, our tenor, uh, Drew, who's a phenomenal singer, um, on, uh, when you wish upon a star, cause the tenor takes the, the melody on that. And so we all started saying when you wish upon a star and it wasn't until that rent, I mean, I heard that song hundreds of times, you know, it's, it's the, it's the hallmark of Disney. So like, you know, you hear that song, you think of Disney. Um, but it wasn't until that moment that I really realized what the impact of those lyrics were. I never listened to the lyrics, but then when we started to sing one by one, each of those women started to cry while we were singing to her and they had a phone up and they were filming us. And then I almost did, but I, I held on <laughs> and the other, the other three guys were all also doing that same thing. They're all starting to get emotional. And when we were done singing and finished our set, that woman came up and hugged all four of us. And it was like the greatest thing. I was like, this, this doesn't happen anywhere else on earth but here no. and for oh. yeah so yeah oh, that's such a good story yeah i yeah. got chills even when you're just saying it i was like yeah. oh i can only like these are the things like 
this is what I tell people when they're when they're like, "Ugh, Disney World theme park kids." I'm like, "No, it's not just like an amusement park." I'm like, "Yeah, you no. will See things that you that literally just restore your faith in humanity." Yes, yes, yeah. And these are and that's why I feel privileged to have the jobs that I have because I get the chance to create that those sorts of feelings and those sorts of moments. Um, and growing up as a kid. I remember this is this is going to a deep connection for me, but the reason the park is so resonant with my life is because uh, my parents divorced when I was twelve, and Disneyland bef- before that happened. Disneyland, we went there once a year, maybe because I'm from Sacramento, California, so about 400 miles north, and so we would go to Disneyland once a year, you know, if that. But I remember there was a lot of stuff that happened that wasn't fun, wasn't pleasant at home, really was not good. But Disneyland was the one time that everything was okay. Like nothing was a problem. Everything was fine. We got along as a family during that time. And so I made it my mission to give that experience and and give other families permission to have that. And that's, that's the undercurrent that I have when I'm performing. So even if it's like not a great day or like something's going on, I'm like, this is what I'm giving to them. I have to remember that. So anyway, yeah. You're like the nicest person in the world, Isaac. That's so (laughs) great. I, I love that. I love that that it it means so much to you and you and you give it back to others because i think that's kind of what it's all what it's all about right right anything with the dapper dance any like sort of mishaps or things that like a funny thing that might have happened like whether Um, mistake or like or maybe an experience that was just really funny that you there oh there there's a lot um but the one that i remember that we still laugh about at least the people the guys were there with me um so during halloween mickey's halloween party the Dapper Dans turn into the Cadaver Dans at night, which is super fun. Um, and <laughs> to get us, um, it, it, this is just a general barbershop convention, but to get, you know, all the all the barbershop singers to sing in tune, there's a pitch pipe that is played, you know, with the note that gets everybody on the same key and then we start the song. Um, it was it was one night where the right, the, the pitch wasn't, pl- I think it was played like two notes higher than normal. And so... <laughs> But in our bodies, we knew what the note really was. And so two of us started to sing one pitch and the other one's the other one. Then we tried to like compensate and then it didn't really fit. And then eventually we found a key that sort of worked, but it was just like, I was like, no, I can't believe this is happening. But it ended up being fine. But it was just, it's something I'll never forget because, yeah. yeah. And it works because it's like Halloween. So you're like, oh, that we were being, you know. Yeah, we were being spooky. It was scary. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Daver Dan's. I love that. Yeah. Do you love Halloween at Disney? Because I always love doing Halloween. I do love Halloween at Disneyland. Yeah, it's so cool. And the environment is just, I don't know. There's something about, I mean, I will say it's hard to pick between the two because I did do, I was also in my years at Universal, I was also a performer at Halloween Horror Nights for five years or four years, excuse me. Um, So I have a very like big uh grasp on what that is but i also love it's just two different things but i will say that you know there's the the magical element of the spookiness of the disney halloween experience is very cool um so much fun yeah so but i love i love halloween it's great (laughs) what other shows um have you participated are you performed in yes um so currently um i am also great friends with mr jones over at the fantasy fair show um called storytelling at royal theater which is vaudeville uh storytelling of beauty and the beast entangled which is such a blast of especially as a theater actor it's like everything that i've loved about doing theater is in that show it's so cool the music is live it's all fun and it's all fast and and comedy and so i love that and then i have been known to dabble with the first order a few few times over galaxy's edge um so if you ever go and see kylo ren come out of his ship and you know first order is telling you what's going on i i I hang out with those those people sometimes wow yeah um and then uh two two years ago probably though was probably was one of my the the high one of the highest uh caliber theater experiences i've ever had um i was i had the privilege of playing simba in tale of the lion king at california adventure um two years ago that I, I just there's so much I could say about that, but um, it was just incredible. I I loved it. I love that movie. I love that story. It's very personal to me. Um, so, and then amongst that, I've done a bunch of special events and things. I've like hosted for um, food and wine festival, and I did the 
uh, cast member Galaxy's Edge preview event where I got to basically be a Star Wars nerd and just talk about Star Wars and say, this is what Star Wars is, and this is what Galaxy's Edge is going to be, you know, and I just got to do that for a few weeks while cast members are coming through to, like, learn what the land was going to be like. Um, So that, and then uh, that's also bled into, like, voiceover for the parks, which is a separate thing, but, like, as far as strictly theme park performance, um, yeah. Yeah. and then cadaver, we talked about cadaver dance, which was an amazing, there's an amazing moment that I got to have. Um, the cadaver dance performed for the haunted mansion's 50th anniversary celebration. Nice. Um, and there are videos of that, um, which are awesome. And oh, so, yeah. Cool. So, um, I'm glad yeah. you brought up the Lion King cause I was going to bring it up if you weren't. Oh, okay. I know you played Simba in that. Yeah. Um, and I would love to, to talk about that for a little bit. Um, yeah. So it's Tale of the Lion King. It's exclusive to California. We don't yes. have it in Disney World. Yes. But um, how did you how did you end up uh, getting involved with that? That was a um, kind of an out of nowhere thing. I didn't even know it was coming, but and it only happened one summer. It never came back. Uh, I hope yeah. it does because um, it was so great. Um, it was hot, but it was really great. Um, and that I'll just sorry to interrupt you. No, but no. That was a show. Um, Tell us a little bit about what the show was. It really came out. I, I'm trying to remember. Did it come out with the live action? Was it to celebrate yes, the live action? It was. Okay. It was to celebrate the live action. And I want to. I mean, this could be completely complete hearsay, but I, I believe it may have also been something for guests to experience um, because Galaxy's Edge also opened, you know, fully that same year. So I think it was something to like balance out like guest flow okay. and everything. I don't know, but I, I really think it was, you know, more to have a really neat, interesting, different show, but also be in tandem with the opening of the live action movie. Um, that I remember I was, I was actually talking to, um, it's really sad. She's now the former casting, one of the former casting directors of the Disneyland resort, um, joy. Um, but, uh, talking to her and I said, you know, I'm, I'm really interested in, in doing more and, and expanding myself as a performer. And she said, well, you know, do you sing any, like, um, gospel or or anything like that because there's going to be a Lion King um, audition show coming up pretty soon so get ready for that and fast forward like I was like yeah let me know I'd love to to do that and so fast forward about a month or two um, I got contacted by them and said hey we're doing a reading of the new this new Lion King show would you come read a Simba so I can proudly say that I'm the first actor to have performer to have uh, read for the role of Simba um, way back when they were just workshopping it, um, the script, and then uh, went to a couple of auditions and then got it. And then, um, but it was in the middle of doing the Star Wars Galaxy's Edge thing, so I couldn't do the initial uh, version with the uh, workshop cast. But then when they got to the fuller cast, because there's um, more people they were adding, like dancers and things. So when we got more people in, then I, we went through that rehearsal process, which was about, a, I think, a month. It was a while of, do, of rehearsals. Um, and then, yeah, we opened that summer and it was the greatest thing ever. Like being on that stage, seeing those guests, um, especially especially as a black performer, looking out in the audience and seeing other kids of color and black kids and people watching me. It was a very uh, great moment for me because I remember as a kid when I would go to movies or TV show, see TV shows or go to theater, um, it was great to see. I would like to see, you know, people that looked like me. And it was it, I was kind of like, doing that cycle or like that circle was sort of completing itself. Um, circle, circle of life. life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, it was, it was, and I'm still friends with like everybody that did it and we all, we talk and, and it was just, we all know how special it was. Um, and yeah, I'll never forget it. I will never forget it. Yeah. I love the Lion King, obviously who doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> and that stage show, I so wish it was in Disney World, although I guess you can say we have Festival of the Lion Festival King. Festival is incredible. I love Which Festival of the Lion King. <laughs> yeah. That's an incredible show. But this one, so this was outdoors. Yes. And it was at California Adventure. Yes. Not Disneyland, right? Exactly. Exactly. Adventure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was a, you know, musical theater outdoors. Just beautiful because I felt like it just really sort of tapped into sort of the African, you know, the cultural aspects of the Lion King. Yeah. Well, what was cool is uh, it was told not like the movie, like we were doing a recreation of the movie. Mm -hmm. The way that it was presented with the text that we got was, this is a story that's been told for hundreds of years. And now we as storytellers are presenting it to all of you. So that was a kind of cool thing. It's like the story, we were the storytellers of the Pride Lands was our title. And then Mm -hmm. 
over the introduction, we would become the characters from the film. And then we would step back and be like, we've told you the story now. And then, you know, we, we would leave. But that's kind of how it was. It's like we were just coming in, having hundreds of years of back of, of backfield story to then share with the guests and then, you know, move on. That's why there was a book, you know, on stage. It's a tale of Lion King because it was like right. a story. But yeah. Yeah, I love. Yeah, I love that. It was like a, that's what I love about Festival of the Lion King, too. It's like they don't try to just be like, OK, we're going to do the movie, the story. Here you go. It's just like a celebration of like yeah. everything you love about the Lion King. Right. Right. Exactly. And it. Yeah, there's I've watched videos on YouTube. So if you have not seen it, you can watch Tale of the Lion King on YouTube because yeah. hopefully it comes back. But if not, we have, you know, right. thank goodness for, you know, the digital age. We have yes. it preserved yeah. on there. Now, yeah. how how long? So you eventually you did perform Simba. Yeah. Outside. Yes. How long did you do that for? Only that summer because the whole show was just a summer long. Um, okay. And the show itself, I think, was about 25 minutes or so. Right. Um, and because I was doing other, uh, you know, I was, I was involved in other shows. I wasn't there too often. Um, but I, when I got to do it, it was amazing. So. Yeah. I love yeah. that. Yeah. It's such a great, I, I, yeah. Some of the shows they come out with are just so great. And it kind of reminded me a little bit of the Broadway show and yeah, yeah, yeah. I felt like it kind of brought the best of like the movie, the Broadway show. And just, it was such a great, such a great experience. Right. Right. You mentioned voiceover, so I'd yeah. love to hear about either like how you sort of what was your first Disney voiceover job or how you kind of got into voiceover. Just to kind of talk about your voiceover yeah. experience. Yeah, um, I'll try to condense it. Um, my very first uh, experience with voiceover was really like when I was like two years old. I started imitating voices um, and the Disney movies. You know, I imitated stuff I saw on on in Disney uh, animated films. My mom told me that I like memorized the monologue from the opening of beauty and the beast at one point. Um, oh, nice. and, but it was really, it was at a point in my life where I didn't really know how to speak. So I couldn't say the words, but I, I, what's interesting is when I hear speech, I don't hear it as speech. I hear it as notes. I hear it as a melody. So like oh. speech is music to me. All, all, all things that come out of the, out of the human voice are, are, is music. Um, so I was able to copy the melody of what I heard, but not necessarily the words that I was hearing, but I knew what the, I knew what the music of what was being said. So, so I was just speaking you know, like the sort of cadence of it, but you're not exactly saying the words. Exactly. I said the words as best I could <laughs> for being like two or three years old. Um, and then in, I, I kept imitating voices forever with my brother and um, just thought it was a hobby. And then in high school, I started sharing my imitations with my friends and they thought it was really funny. And I was like, Oh, I didn't think this was like appealing, but this is great. Um, and then, uh, like you said in the bo my bio, when I saw that episode of Inside the Actress Studio and I learned that there are human beings doing voices for car cartoons, I was like, oh, okay, I get it now. I understand what this is. Like, it was yeah. a huge epiphany, and I wanted to do that for, for the rest of my life. Um, so I started to investigate what voiceover was and how to do it and where to go and what classes to take and why it was important to me. Like, all these things just, like, started, like, snowballing. Um, and then I had a very fortuitous experience at Disneyland when I first started in 2010 I took a class because Disney has this very cool program that they offer called Cast Conservatory where they offer classes in the arts um for free for people in the entertainment department so one of these classes I I still have the flyer and it was for voiceover and it was with a guy named Brian Nevsky of Walt Disney Imagineering and he's the casting director so he casts so all the voices in all the Disney parks you hear around the world he's the guy that casts those voices wow. um so I had a voiceover class with him, and I also met a woman named Pat Brady, who's one of the most powerful agents um, in Los Angeles for animation and, and interactive. Uh, and she's a wonderful woman. She's not my agent, but I love her. Um, right. And uh, so a couple of years after that initial class with Brian, I had just kept in touch. I had gone to lunch with him, and I had said, no, I'm really serious about doing voiceover. Like, this is really what I want to do. Um, and so he started sending me auditions. And then in 2012, in Spanish class in college, I got an email from Brian offering me my very first professional voiceover job, which was I did a bunch of voices for Agent P's World Showcase Adventure in Epcot. So like the interactive game you play and with Agent P and all that. Yes. Yeah. So I did a bunch I of voices. It. Yeah, I did. So I did a bunch of voices for that. And that was my very first job, real job. And that was my very first Disney job. Um, and since then, I've had a slew of uh, very, I'm very uh, happy and, and um, lucky um, 
but I've had a lot of work with Imagineering. So like I've done like in Tokyo Disneyland, I am the voice of the Dumbo attraction, the English, the ringmaster that, you know, tells oh you gosh. to keep you still keep your hands off feet and legs inside the elephant. Um, I am, I, me and a few of my friends, we are like the ambient Navi that you hear in uh, Avatar. Uh, I, I was the, let's see, with Imagineering, I'm trying to stick with that. Um, I did a voice for the NBA Replay Center. Um, okay. And uh, I, um, there's one project that I did that's really special, but I can't talk about it because it hasn't happened yet, but it's coming this Ooh. summer. Um, and uh, let's see, what else? Um, not This I, is not Imagineering, but, oh, good, sorry, what? No, I was going to say, I, I'm looking at your resume, so I can name things that I want to know about. Okay, go. You want to shoot you that? Yeah, I'm not looking at it. <laughs> I, I'm like, let me it. tell you about what you've done. Yeah. So what I want to know is Villain's Grove, you, so you, you were the voice of Scar, Frollo, Dr. Facilier, and the Cheshire Cat? Yes. My good friend Jordan Peterson is a Disney show writer and director for the park and, and, and events like genius. Um, he's just incredible. But yeah, he he built Villains Grove was his idea. He created that, um, and he knew what I could do because he was my show director for Transformers at Universal. And he said, "Hey, I have this this thing. It's coming to Halloween uh, for uh, Disneyland. Um, it's a it's a walkthrough that I he designed, and it's going to have you know lines from these villains and laughs from these villains. It's going to be a very atmospheric, self directed walkthrough experience. And would you want to come in and do these?" I was like, "Sure." So I came in and I got to do those villains for that so it was like very light lines and just you know a few laughs here and there but it was very very gratifying to... but it's it's quite i'm trying to think i'm like all right it's like scar frollo dr facilier and then like the cheshire cat i feel like it's like one of them doesn't like you know it's like yeah. quite an eclectic yes know, mix. i i i do character work is my thing i i love doing different kinds of voices for different things and i i you know I, I, uh, whatever I can get my hands on range wise, I'll do it. I know that my, those characters don't seem like the match, but, but we did it and I, I loved it. <laughs> so that's that. No, that's great. I love that. When I saw that, I was like, Oh, I'm definitely asking about that. Yeah. yeah. And then, um, speaking of voice matching. So voice matching is something that you do sort of non Disney related, but you, you say here, or, you know, on your resume, you voice match for Jim Sturgis, mm -hmm. Anthony yes. Mackie and Seth McFarlane, which is like, you know, yeah. What a voice to match. Yes, yeah, um, yeah. That was for. Um, let's see. Well, the Seth MacFarlane one was interesting. That was for the, at Universal Studios Hollywood is a special effects show, um, and there's a part where they talk about, and it's a show that I did, um, which is how I got involved. But there's a show where they talk about special effects in the movies, and there's a piece where they talk about motion capture, and they talk about how motion capture was used on the movie Ted to animate him, and Seth would do the voice. And the audio that they had, because Ted comes out on screen and he like says something to the audience. Yeah. Um, but the audio they had from Seth MacFarlane was not, uh, the audio was like dirty, not in like a profan profanity way, but just like the audio was not clean. Not for, clean, yeah. yeah. Um, so they said, hey, Isaac, you do voices. You want to give it a shot and see if you can do uh, Ted <laughs> for this, for the show? Um, so um, I, tr I listened to what he did and and uh, I did it a few times and they were like, they, they kind of... They kind of, you know, direct me a little bit just to get the sound exactly right. But uh, eventually I did. So now if you go see the special effects show and you listen, you hear Ted in that show, all of those, that's all my voice uh, for that. So Incredible. that's what I said. Yeah. I guess it, you know, it makes sense hearing like, cause you think voice matching and you're like imitating, but for you to be able to do like, I'm thinking like, gosh, all these different sounds and different people yeah. and voices, it makes sense. Cause you talk about hearing things like music. So it's not that you're just like trying to. I don't know how to describe it. It's not, you're just trying, not trying to imitate somebody, but you can hear like the musicality of the voice. So you're yeah. essentially creating that music in your voice and, and it's somehow you're, you're doing the same thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can give you an example. Crush, for example, um, the music of his voice is, you know, it, it is literally like an ocean wave, you know, it's very calm and cool and collected and laid back and surfer. And we had Andrew, you know, Andrew Stanton is the original and the director of the movie. But, dude, it does not take me a long time to go to that place and just be him. You know, Chaw, dude, let's go. You know, it's it's not. Oh, that's, my gosh. I, I, I'm talking to Crush. <laughs> um, and then another one. This is a, one of my favorite announcers. Um, but I am, again, very privileged. My life is really very filled with amazing things. Um, I'm very good friends with, and uh, he's my mentor now, the man named Bill Rogers. Um who's been the voice of Disneyland park for 30 years now. Um, wow. and 
I've been learning under him about his job. But that's another place where like the music of, of how things are said um, is plays a huge key into uh, not only what he's saying, but also the, the, the familiarity and, and the warmth and the, um, the, the, I don't know what it, I don't know what it's called. I guess the magic of, of why you want to listen to what he's saying and like, you know, pay attention to it. But, you know, I can kind of go like, I'm trying to think like, if you, if you like, there's a difference between saying ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, like that's, it's, it's in his, like, that's kind of where the placement is. But the minute you add the music, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls in just 15 minutes like that, you know, that's oh Disneyland, <laughs> you know, that's that's do what I'm they, talking about. Do they play anything that you've done in Disney World, too? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm the the Agent P is still there. Um, the not anytime right. you hear Navi like chanting or screeching or yelling anywhere oh, in, in Yeah, that's still there. Um, the NBA Replace Hunter, I think, is still there. Uh trying to think of other stuff i don't think i've done anything else there but disneyland has stuff that i've done um in oswald's filling station i was a radio show host for the little radio that's in there Mm. um and uh what else it's not playing all the time but i was the announcer for um the mickey's trick and treat party and for the disney villains dance party um was the announcer for that um but the biggest thing probably for Disney parks that I've done that was like, here's my voice was, um, and this is actually, I think it's online somewhere. It's on my Instagram. Um, but it's the, uh, I was the voice of Disneyland's New Year's Eve celebration for 2019 and going into 2020. That's so amazing. That was a, that was a huge and amazing experience because my friend filmed it and he sent it to me. I was like, wow, my voice is coming out of the speakers at the castle on main street over by small world. Like it's, that Don't was, cry. I was like, I can't believe so cool yeah um, i'm I still can't. freaking yeah. out about it yeah yeah even hearing you do it i was like now i feel like i've probably heard you <laughs> i know i have if i've yeah. done the agent p showcase and not like yeah i've probably heard you so yeah. it's like it's making me feel like i'm at disney it's making me emotional <laughs> great you know you mentioned the villains party so i did the villains side note i went to the film the mickey's not so scary halloween party and yeah. they had a villains dance party thing yeah and i don't know if you ever went to one of those have you been to one uh i d- i actually hosted the one at disneyland um okay yeah <laughs> so is it the same so it kind of made me uncomfortable because i went in and i felt like the disney villains were just walking around which was cool i don't know if they were at what you where you have but they were just like mingling like literally like just mingling with people yeah it Oh, sorry. Go ahead. You were going to say more. No, I was just going to say that, like, it felt a little bit to me like the character sometimes did things that I'm like, I don't think they would do that. Like, Governor Radcliffe was, like, almost breakdancing, and I was like, I don't think Governor Radcliffe would breakdance. <laughs> well, I I will say for, for my experience at Disneyland, what was cool about our show is the villains would come up and we would teach everyone in the audience a dance um, that was in line with what they, you know, who these characters are. Um, so it was all very in theme and very in story of what they, what they are and what they're about. And then they would go down and, and be with the guests and, and would dance with them. But I don't, from what I saw, everything like, you know, uh, lady, like lady Tremaine was being lady Tremaine. Like they all these characters were yeah. like, just so it was so fun to watch them. It was so fun to be out there. I think when I did it, it was the first time they had done something like that. Yeah. And I felt like maybe it was a little bit like, oh, we're not, you know, we're not, we're not. Sure, but I did bump into Lady Tremaine, and she was very Lady Tremaine. So yes, as I'll she say, always is. Yeah, yeah, she always is terrible, yeah. and and the two steps as oh yeah, were just obnoxious as they usually. Yeah, are. yeah, yeah. I'm gonna move into a little trivia game, if you don't mind playing. No, please, let's go, let's go. So, the, I don't think these will. You know, I'm just gonna ask you a couple questions, like five trivia questions. Okay, and and we'll just you know talk about them. Yeah. So first one is. We all love Orlando Bloom as Will Turner in Pirates of the Caribbean. Right. The whole series. What other wildly popular movie franchise is what is Orlando Bloom in? Oh, that's, that's Lord of the Rings, right? Correct. Okay. Correct. <laughs> I was like, please, I hope that's it. <laughs> okay. So, what movie musical adaptation did Julie Andrews not get cast in, which ultimately led her to starring in Mary Poppins? My Fair Lady. Yes. I was like, is that too hard? I don't nope. know. I, for me, I'm like, no brainer. But yeah, for yeah, other people, I don't yeah. know. 
Yeah. I love that because she ended up winning the Oscar. Right. Like, it's like, here it is. Here's what I did. <laughs> yeah. And she okay. even thanked, like, yeah. uh, what's his name? Jack Warren. Like, she was like, thanks. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm right. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I love that because she yeah. wanted that because she originated, you know, Eliza Doolittle on Broadway. Right. Got right. passed for the film because she wasn't quote unquote famous enough, I guess. And yeah. then was like, I'll just be Mary Poppins and, yeah. you know, win an Oscar. Yeah. All right. True or false? Robert De Niro was the first actor offered the role of Jack Sparrow. Uh, false? It's true. Is it really true? <laughs> it's true in a pair. I mean, wow, from I what I read on the internet. Do I know if yeah. the internet's real? I don't yeah. know. Yeah, that's amazing. I've never heard that. Apparently, he didn't do it because he thought the movie would bomb. He was like, this will not be a great film, so oh, I'll pass. Man. Wow. And I try to imagine a Robert De Niro, Jack Sparrow, and I yeah. cannot imagine anything I, but Johnny yeah, Depp. Yeah, I can't. There's, I, yeah. I mean, J- Johnny Depp just is. He's one of my. That's one of my favorite film characters of all time. Yes. So like, just I can't imagine anybody else. But that's fascinating. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and I'm. You know what? I'm glad he passed because I don't think I want to see a Robert De Niro. I just want right. Johnny Depp. <laughs> yeah. Okay. In the Lion King, what do Timon and Pumbaa teach Simba to eat? Oh. Uh, are, I guess are we going with with grub? Is that the technical yes. term? Okay. I was like, he'll say bugs or grub. I was like, I'll accept either, but grub is the true answer. Okay, Thank I was going to say being a true fan. Of course, of course. Yeah. And then bonus part of that. Okay. What is the like? They say something after they eat it that Simba repeats too. Do you know what the the line is right uh, after he eats it? Uh. Oh man, is it? Is it? What's a motto? Nothing. What's a motto with you? Is that what you're talking about? No, but they eat. It's sort of a another little phrase that he, yeah. Simba repeats. They say it to convince him to try it. He eats the food. Oh, slimy yet satisfying. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Yay. Slimy yet satisfying. Yeah. Okay. And then this last question is hilarious because, and you'll see why. Okay. Because I came up with these obviously before we spoke. Yeah. But. In Epcot, an interactive attraction in which guests run around the World Showcase and find clues features what character from Disney's Phineas and Ferb? Oh, um, well, I guess Agent P, the pair of the platypus. Yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> That's so I, funny. <laughs> it's funny that you brought it up because that was one thing I was like, all right, I won't bring this up because I'll keep it as a question and then be like, oh, yeah, yeah and guess what? You did voice work for them. Oh, and then you brought cool. it up and I was like, well, there goes the question. <laughs> it's okay. It yeah. always happens to me. Someone's yeah. hacked my computer. <laughs> yep. Um, well, I want to leave a little bit of time. Um, tell us, you know, where we can find you on social media, what you have yeah. coming up, anything you want to talk about. Yes. I mean, there are things I want to talk about. Can I? Not yet. Um, all I will yes. say is you can find me on Instagram at IRS Voices. Um, you can follow me on Facebook too, um, Isaac Robinson Smith. Um, and as far as things coming up, uh, I cannot specify anything quite yet, but I am involved in a in a uh, Disney Plus show that is premiering um, this summer at some point. But I cannot, I can can't go further than that. But that's as far as I can go. But I'm super oh, I'm excited. So excited. To, I'm just excited to be involved. Um, and also, you'll be able to hear my voice in in a certain capacity uh, this summer um, at at Disney California Adventure. But again, that's that's about all I can say right now for that but yeah <laughs> so but yeah lots of stuff is coming um and then if you want uh i don't know if anybody has heard it <laughs> if there are any fans of um uh marvel's uh avengers the video game i'm the voice of uh theo in that the portal guy um awesome. in that uh i'm also in final fantasy 7 remake uh and i am in um what was i gonna say oh and i'm uh another thing that people might know me for is uh uh voltron legendary defender on netflix i voice um adam in season seven um shiro's boyfriend from the past so wow. yeah just a few things and then more things coming i'm excited i really love what i do and there's a lot of stuff that i'm very excited about but again can't really release details quite yet but it's it's happening i love it yeah oh i'm so excited for you and i'm so excited to to see what you do and to hear you and thank you for coming on and talking about your experience yeah with, with disney yeah, sure. 
And everybody, basically, if you go to a, if you go to Disneyland or even Disney World, you're probably going to hear Isaac. So <laughs> say hello to him. Even Great. Though he, he can't he can't hear you, but yeah, he might, he might feel it in the ether. Right. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much, Isaac, for being here. Thanks everybody for listening. You can follow us on Instagram, Disney Inside Out Podcast. You can email questions, comments, things you want to see on future episodes at DisneyInsideOutPodcast at gmail.com. Ladies and gentlemen, this podcast has now ended its normal operating day. We hope you've enjoyed your experience with Disney Inside Out Podcast and that you'll be back with us again soon. Drive carefully on your way home. Good night.